KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In Depth. I'm Tom Rickard. Cherry Gregg is the community affairs reporter at KYW News Radio. Hi, Cherry. Hey, Tom. Last week you told me there's about to be a very serious coronavirus problem in the prisons in Philadelphia. What made you think that? Break down what's happening in the prisons right now and your reporting about it during this pandemic. Well, I knew that based on what was going on in Chicago that we um, were very likely to face similar issues. Uh, In Chicago, uh, Cook County Jail went from two coronavirus infections to 100 in less than 10 days. Uh, And in Philadelphia, the reports kept ticking up every single day. And so to me, it sounded the alarm. On April 1st, we had 12 infections. And as of today, uh, April 8th, we have 62. Uh, And this is just among inmates. Uh, The prisons, the city has refused to tell us how many correction officers have tested positive for COVID-19. But I've heard from people on the inside, they're really nervous because it's almost impossible when you're inside of a prison to social distance, to stay sanitized and clean. There's no hand sanitizer usually in prisons. And any soap that you purchase, any soap that you have, you have to purchase. And so there's usually bunked in, in each cell, sometimes two to three people to a cell, sometimes more, depending upon how crowded a prison is. And so you don't know these people and they're all different ages. They have all different medical conditions and folks are coming in and out with jails. It's pretty it's different than a state prison because, you know, new people are getting arrested every day and different things are shifting. And so county jails are really a, a, the perfect place for a disease or virus like this is highly uh, contagious to spread quickly. You said someone inside the prison reached out to you. Are, are prisoners, are inmates contacting you about it? Not inmates, but their family members. So they, we got a voicemail from a woman. Her boyfriend is incarcerated in CFCF on State Road. He's been there since January. He was actually supposed to be gearing up to go to trial. But of course, the, tr- the, the lockdown happened, the courts are closed, and he's stuck on the inside. Um, she said that, you know, he called her, he left her this voicemail, uh, which she sent to us, and basically said that, you know, he was afraid that he was going to die in there. Um, and if he didn't die in there, that, you know, he was going to have a mental breakdown because there is so hard to communicate with the outside world. The prisons department locked down the jail, which means that most inmates have to eat in their cell. They have to take medication in their cell and they're limiting their movement outside of the cell. So imagine if you were in a 100 by 100 space and that's where you had to stay all day. They're allowed to make five free phone calls a week um, and take a shower. But other than that, they were kind of locked in their space once uh, the jail started having this outbreak and the number of COVID-19 infections and quarantines going up. So people are very upset about the lack of movement. They're depressed uh, and they're quite frightened. Um, I will mention that the prison said the last few days that they were giving all inmates masks 
that they could wear to protect themselves. Um, but I did speak with a correction officer who showed me the mask that correction officers were given. And it's basically like the cutout of a white sheet. And you can almost see through the mask. It's so flimsy. And so a lot of people just felt like they had zero protection behind the wall and that they were basically sitting ducks. What does it look like when you're trying to treat a whole lot of people who are who are sick in, in, in prison? Uh, hospitals around the United States are, are struggling with getting enough equipment, with getting v- ventilators, with getting personal protective equipment for doctors and nurses. What's the situation in prison like? Yeah, well, I don't know how many ventilators Philadelphia Prisons Department have, but I can tell you that the Department of Corrections, which um, services about 44,000 inmates across Pennsylvania, has four ventilators for the entire prison system, and all four are fully occupied. So that kind of like lets you know uh, the lack of resources that they have. And I can tell you this, no one is saying that prisons have great health care. I mean, we've heard of women um, not having access to feminine hygiene products when they're in prison. You've heard of people who are cancer patients unable to get the type of treatment that they need inside of prison. So if anybody were to get extremely ill while they're behind the wall, most likely they would have to be moved to a hospital within the the public, a public hospital, because there's no real service there. Um, also, uh, if our hospitals are stressed, you can only imagine uh, what a prison's hospital would be like. I mean, you've got thousands of prisoners uh, th- that are there, sometimes in a particular jail, and a very small uh, medical staff. And so can you imagine if a large population of people got sick and severely sick at the same time? Uh, the services would be stretched, and and it's not the best as it is. For the last week, last couple of weeks, uh, we've been hearing some people call for for prisons to let some nonviolent offenders out. Has that has that been during this pandemic? Has that been happening in Philadelphia at all? Uh, it's been very slow, but it actually did start happening on Tuesday. Um, I understand that. Four judges uh, came online and began reviewing petitions. Um, They rolled out a new protocol. It was announced on Friday that they would begin reviewing hundreds of cases of individuals who had served their minimum sentence, individuals that had a cash bail that was $25,000 or less, and they had not committed a drug, sex, violent, or a gun crime, they could be considered for release. Also, those who had only committed economic crimes. Um, And so they were going to prioritize those cases, go through them one by one, and determine which of individuals should be set free. And I will tell you that I've heard that there are individuals in in prison for as low uh, on bail that they're low as $300 that they couldn't afford. And they're stuck in prison, fearful for their life because they're, they could get COVID-19. Um, there are people in jail, I should point out, they have asthma. Uh, one woman, I heard testimony over the weekend, her brother had a heart attack and had been hospitalized inside the prison for weeks. And he was on in there on a minor charge. And so people like that with vulnerabilities, if he were to get COVID-19 behind the wall, he might not make it. Wow. So you've been covering the coronavirus pandemic in the Philadelphia prison systems for a couple of weeks. 
you're going to continue doing mm-hmm. that. One of the one of the latest things that you publish was your conversation with uh, a corrections officer and uh, a guy named Eric Hill. Uh, he's also an officer in the corrections officers union. We're going to play that interview here in this podcast, but t- give me like a real tell people really briefly what he said and, and what the corrections officers union is calling on this city to do. Well, Local 159, uh, Eric Hill is their business agent, and uh, they wrote a letter to Mayor Jim Kenney and the prison um, department, and they're asking for uh, the numbers of cases of COVID-19 among correction officers. As of now, the city has a policy that they will not release the numbers um, the test results, the number of people in quarantine of any city workers, whether it be police, fire department, corrections, um, anybody working in city hall. So we have no idea how many city people, city people who work for the city who have uh, the virus. And, you know, the correction officers are very nervous. I mean, uh, they, you know, Eric argues that they are first responders. You know, a lot of times they're taking people uh, in intake. They don't know these folks. You know what I'm saying? And they've got to deal with these individuals. He's argued that they don't have the type of uh, personal protection equipment that they need to keep them safe. And that, you know what, they're they're jeopardizing their life to do this job. And at the very least, they're demanding transparency to know how many infections uh, there are among the, the COs, how many in quarantine, and how many have been come out negative. And so far, the city has said, no, we're not doing it. All right. We'll play your conversation with Eric Hill next. Cherry, thanks so much for coming back to KWW In Depth. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Could you just say your full name for me and then your position with Local 159? Yes, Eric Hill, business agent of District Council 33, Local 159. First of all, how's the, how are folks doing? Not too well. Um, and I say that uh, with very much sincerity and respect for the correction officers of the Philadelphia Department of Prisons. Uh, the anxiety of all personnel are at an apex, the unknown equally at an apex uh, with the anxiety and the day-to-day circumstances of COVID-19 as they change and as new discoveries regarding COVID-19 are disseminated by the CDC and other authorities, everyone is on pins and needles. Yeah. And so do you know anything about the number of uh, people who are COs or staff that have been tested, the number of people who are infected, homesick, any information? Unfortunately not, and I say that unfortunately with respect for the officers again because we have wholeheartedly tried to reach out to Commissioner Blanche Carney, the current commissioner of the Fulford Department of Prisons and her administration, to get information of confirmed cases, COVID-19 cases, and confirm quarantines as it concerns our representative bargaining members who are the correctional officers, as well as the administrative staff, medical practitioners, social services, and ultimately the inmates themselves. We're very much concerned about, concerned about all parties at this time, but we have not received any information as requested from the commissioner's office. Unfortunately, just like the public, when, they, when there are the afternoon news conferences from the mayor's office or City Council, that's where we are getting our information from. And it's very unfortunate that we are neglected of being in receipt of information as we request as a concern to prisons because that is a hotbed within itself inside of the city where the containment is due to 
those persons that are incarcerated and those persons that are assigned as employees at that at the Fulford Department of Prisons who have to be there. And they should be afforded all information and all personal protection equipment as necessary to combat uh, COVID-19 and to give all the precautions of COVID-19. Unfortunately, is not the case. Are they getting uh, PPE? No, no. We're still in contestment with the prison system to provide, as I said earlier, uh, there have been several correspondences sent out requesting that all correctional personnel be given personal protection and uh, equipment. The responses at that time from the commissioner's office was that it was not necessary and that it was only necessary for officers who were assigned to receiving room areas, um, inmate quarantine houses of those inmates who come initially into the prison system or for those inmates that are on a housing unit where they are segregated by the administration. Well, we know now that that is not true, that it is necessary because we're learning publicly that there is a myriad of correctional staff in conjunction with other personnel within the prison system that are on personal quarantine and that have contracted COVID-19. And what have you know? What do you know for sure as far as the number of infections? Have you talked to, have you heard from a number of people? And if so, how many? The only confirmed numbers that I can attest to are two. One is of a correctional employee who placed themselves on Facebook to let everyone know about their circumstances and their experience with the COVID-19 testing. And just this morning, uh, ironically, I spoke to a, another correctional employee who had confirmed to me that they had tested positive with COVID-19. Yeah, and so this lack of information, um, is it? are people complaining about that? Do they, do they feel left in the dark? Do, what, are the, what is the sentiment from the members um, that you're hearing? Well, again, as I said earlier, it helps raise the anxiety of the correctional officers because of the unknown. And when they know and learn that the union officials themselves are denied access to information to help in the cause against COVID-19 within the prison system, they're just astonished that the commissioner and her administration would show that type of disdain as if, you know, they're collateral damage. And that is not the case. Unfortunately, the limitation of information from the commissioner's office and the, the lack of being transparent with the union makes it even harder for the union and its representative bargaining members who are correctional officers to do their jobs, you know, successfully every day as they have been doing prior to COVID-19. And I got to say, I mean, when you heard yesterday, I don't even know, we haven't got the update yet on how many uh COVID-19 infections there are among inmates, but as of um, Monday, there were 54. How does that strike you and, and, and any reaction to that number when last Wednesday it was just 12? From my personal opinion and observation of touring the facilities along with President Trueheart and Vice President Desiderio, I think those numbers are greatly higher, and I think they're lessly exaggerated by the prison commissioner and her administration because I don't think they want the public want anyone to know the truth about the pandemic as it uh, composes itself behind the walls of the prison system itself. About two weeks ago, when I was on tour at the facility, I observed a number of staff without personal protection equipment. And when I brought this to the attention of the commissioner and her administration, uh, 
there's a unit within the prison system called Philicore Industries. And Philicore Industries was commissioned to make a mask to be given out. And this mask is made from bed sheet. And it's only one ply. It's, it's a piece of bed sheet with the corners folded and stitched down and then two elastic bands uh, attached to it. And this is what they've been giving out to the staff to wear. They're now requiring the staff to sign for these one-ply masks and threatening them with discipline should they refuse to sign for these one-ply uncertified masks. I received one myself, and I utilize at home uh, every integrity test I could think of with the exception of setting fire to it, and it, it gave no resistance whatsoever. And this is what the staff is concerned about. Uh, since then, since that inquiry of the union on behalf of the representative correction officers, the commissioner has consented to allowing the staff to purchase and bring it to their institution, their own personal mask they purchased, but she's limiting it to a color. They can wear any color with the exception of black. And I don't think that color should be of any concern at this time because if it's a certified mask that has at least two plies and creates the barriers that are necessary uh, to combat COVID-19, especially within the prison system, then the color shouldn't matter. Correspondences also went out to the commissioner and her administration of the union's concern of employee cross-contamination. And to the union, that means we, we requested that as much as possible that correctional officers be assigned to consecutive uh, posts um, instead of being flipped around or put here intermittently, one, one place here and another time, another place there, because we don't know who is asymptomatic. We don't know who has the virus. Um, that information we can't know. We, we don't need to know the names of the individuals. We need to know the numbers. We need to know the impact of those numbers. And to try to combat that within the prison system, we will hope that the commissioner and her administration would consent to our request to try to place our correction officers consistently on a post so that one day they're, you're working a non-quarantine or non-infected area, and then the next day you are assigned to a quarantine or non-infected inmate housing area. That's going to cross-contaminate, and should that employee be unaffected, then they will maybe by the end of their shift be affected. Yeah, and so the, the, and the, just so you know, the city has declined to give this information generally. It's not just the prison's department, but it's also the fire department. It's also the police department. It's also information about nursing homes and other facilities across the city. Any, you know, I mean, part of the response is the, the prisons have been sending us to city because they have a coordinated response. Is your call to the city specifically, because it seems like it's a city thing. I don't know if it's as much as the individual, you know, uh, you know, commissioners, or, uh, you know, fire commissioner, police commissioner, whatever, but it seems like there's a coordinated effort to not share this information. Are you, is the union calling for more transparency from the city and from Commissioner Carney? Yes, definitely. I'm glad you brought that point up. Uh, just last week, we posed a correspondent um, from Local 159 President Gregory Trueheart to the attention of the mayor, the mayor himself, and his administration requesting that they agree to have a mediation uh, with the union in conjunction with the prison 
uh, commissioner's office and her administration. That was a week ago. And to date, we have not received any response to that correspondence or a denial of the, our request for mediation with the mayor's office and the commissioner's office. Yeah, and I got to ask you here, have you heard anything about the Juvenile Justice Center? Yes. They have been very forthcoming from day one. The, the, the same correspondences that I sent to Commissioner Carney and her administration, I duplicated those same correspondences and concerns to DHS, uh, PJSC uh, Commissioner Kimberly Ali, uh, Michael Scott, and Nelson Walker, the, the concerns of the union, and they were very forthcoming on a daily basis. Uh, they were fast-acting as it concerns the residents, the youth detention counselors, the medical practitioners and administrators within that facility. On a daily basis, I, I, I must commend them on their forthcoming and cooperation with the union. So what are you asking for from, this, from the Kenny administration? We're, it's not so much, it's past asking. It, it's more of a demand for transparency and communication. Those are the two keys because just, just like information is disseminated by the President of the United States, the Governor, the Mayor's Office, to the citizens throughout the United States and, and people across the world, if you're not given transparency and communication, you won't know what to do. Well, only thing we're asking for is the transparency of the cases that are of known of quarantine and the cases that are tested of positive. Because if, if, if anything gets out from the prison system, it will be a catastrophe within the city itself. This quick question as I wrap up. I mean, the argument is that privacy is the main issue, the main reason why they're not releasing this information. Your brief response. I don't know what the city's reason is in conjunction with the 12th Department of Prisons is for not releasing information to the union. We only ask that they consent to the release of transparency and communication with the union. And if, they're, if they are stifling the information, then just let us know that. But communicate with us and be tangible with us, and that information can go, can go a long way with the union and its representative members of the Fulford Department of Prison. They said the reason why they're not giving out these, this information as far as, like, transparency is because of privacy for the corrections officers. Just your response to that argument. We're not contesting the privacy. Again, we don't need the names of the correctional employees. You know, that will be found by the union itself as the members contact the union itself, themselves. But we need to know the number of quarantines, and we need to know the numbers of positive cases within the Philadelphia Department of Prison. Have you guys put a call out to the union members saying, if you are affected, call us? We want to know. Are you guys doing your own polling within the union membership? I don't mean you sending information to them, but saying, People like, look, call us if you're in fact impacted. Have you done that? Yes, we're, we're in contact with our members within all the, f the facilities on State Road on a daily basis. But only a couple people have reached out to say they have it other than to say that they're concerned is what you're saying. It's more of a 99.9% .9 cause of concern and fear of correctional, representative correctional officers. And as I said, only those two persons, the, the one I received a direct call from, the other that is known as positive was based upon a Facebook um, that was sent out. Got it. And how many calls would you say you got if you were to ballpark it? Dozens? Dozens of calls a day throughout from my, my phone call. My phone receives calls as early as 4 o'clock in the morning because we have officers that work their 11 to 7 shift. 
So their concerns uh, start that early in the morning and go throughout the morning, afternoon, and the late evening hours. Anything else you want to add? Um, unfortunately, you know, the cooperation of the city and the prison just shows that, you know, they give the appearance that they have great disdain for correctional officers of the Fulton Department of Prisons as if they are collateral employees, and they're not. And I want to make that clear that they should be recognized as first responders because as we speak, they are the only ones and will be the only ones within the prison system and will take the courage to go behind the walls of the prison system during COVID-19 where others will not venture forward like they are. And they should be commended and they should be given a, a gratitude for their service and given the, the, their recognition as a first responder. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or hear on the radio will affect you personally, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickard, and we'll have another episode out soon. 